Well, we are in this series we've called More Than Enough, and I hope that you've been really encouraged by it, knowing, because I, I know that a lot of us, all of us, the thing that really connects us all together is we've been made by God for a purpose. But sometimes that purpose is difficult for us to realize because we're held back by fear. We think that I, I'm not enough. Maybe what if I fail? What if, what if I try to step into what God has formed me for and it just doesn't work out and then I'm going to look silly and, and maybe I'll embarrass God or, you know, what will people think of me then? And I, I really believe that one of, the, one of the biggest things that keep us from really experiencing all that God wants us to experience is that we're afraid. That's what we talked a little bit last week about what it looks like to just have a little bit of courage to get some spiritual grit and to say, you know, I'm going to step into what God's called me to step into, and I'm, I'm not going to be held back by fear. We talked about what it looks like to have a little bit of faith, and today we're going to talk about what it looks like to have a little bit of sacrifice. I really like what Rick Warren writes. You, you probably have heard of The uh, Purpose Driven Life. You know, he wrote that book, but uh, he, he's a pastor out in California, and he wrote, he says, you were put on earth to make a contribution. I mean, let that just encourage you a little bit. It's true. You were put on the earth to make a contribution. You weren't created just to consume resources, to eat, breathe, and take up space. But God designed you to make a difference with your life. And I really feel that because I want that more than anything else. You know, at the end of, of my life, I know it's not going to matter you know, what, what kind of vacations I took, although those might be great memories, it's not going to matter how much money I made or what kind of furniture I had in my house or any of that kind of stuff. You know, did we have granite countertops? Did we have, you know, what was, what was really important? What's going to really matter is what did I do with the time that I had? And did it make a difference for anybody? We all want to know that our life counted for something. You know, we're continuing to go through a season where, I mean, you can't throw a stick without seeing a, a sign that says help wanted, right? We talk about, uh, we've, got a, we've got a shortage of workers and we're wondering, you know, and I, I'm not an expert on all that stuff, so I, I don't know all the ins and the outs, but one of the things that I have heard just in my, you know, talking with different people and trying to get a grasp on what are, what are we going through as a, as a culture, as a society? One thing that's come back to me is people are really taking a step back and they're asking themselves, what do I want to do with my life? And I'm not so sure that I want to go back and do what I was doing. I don't know what I want to do. You know, that's kind of the problem that we're in. It's, I, I don't really have that all figured out right now. But, but I, I know that I'm unsettled. And something, something's off. Something's amiss. And I want to know that what I'm doing really makes a difference. One of the most difficult questions to ask ourselves is, what was I formed for? Why did God make you? Why has he placed you here? You ever think about that? I think we distract ourselves away from that question. We, maybe we, you know, lose ourselves in surfing the, the web or television or whatever, entertainment, to kind of take our minds off of those difficult questions because they're not easy answers. Why did God make you? What has he formed you for? It's amazing what God wants to do through our lives. And when we look at him, we look at Jesus, that's the only place we're going to find our identity is in him. And one of the essential components in discovering ourselves and learning, okay, who am I? What, is, what has he made me for? We, we've got to understand that you were made to be faithful and courageous and to sacrifice. 
You are made for that. And it's amazing what God can do with one person who says, I'm willing to deny myself so that someone else can benefit. God uses that in a way, I mean, he multiplies that. That is one of those big game changers. It's the hallmark character trait of every hero, fiction or nonfiction. I mean, we look at some of the stories that we love and some of the, some of the, the you know, stories that are, that are true. We look back in, in the history of heroes, people that really did something amazing. The hallmark character is that they sacrifice something for the sake of others. What's the difference between a great parent, a great father or mother, and a deadbeat? The major, major difference is, is that person willing to sacrifice What's the difference between a, a great spouse and, and, and an unattentive and uncaring spouse? Is that person willing to sacrifice? That's why Acts 20 verse 35 says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's really what makes Jesus the greatest hero of all. We, you know, we, we kind of forget that, that one of, the, one of the most appealing parts of, of, of Christ, even to those that don't necessarily believe that he is the son of God, they, everybody looks at him and says, yeah, but there's a great hero. I mean, there's somebody that sacrificed. There's somebody that was willing to go the extra mile. And it wasn't that he, that he died for us. That's, that's, not, that's not what it is. It's that he chose to die for us. He chose to willingly sacrifice his life for us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's biblical truth. But it's probably the least believed truth. A lot of us aren't really believing that it's true. I mean, in theory, it sounds good. And we say that a lot around Thanksgiving. And we say it a lot around Christmas. But how many of us actually believe that it's better to give than to receive? It's better for me to sacrifice for someone else. It might make me, might make me feel good. For a moment or two, you know, and I pass somebody ringing the Salvation Army little bell, and I drop in a few coins. Oh, it may maybe gives me a little tingly winglies there as I'm walking into Walmart. But you know, did, did it really was it really that much better? Is it really really better for me to give than to get? Jesus says, "Yeah, it really is," and He's the one that formed you. The Tony Evans Bible Commentary loved this. It tells us that indeed, in God's economy, you will be more blessed. If you're a spiritual conduit rather than a spiritual cul-de-sac, I love the image of that. When you're letting God use you, work through you, rather than you just kind of being the end all. If, if you, God wants to work through you so that you'll be a blessing to others. If you have the capacity to address a need with your money, your time, or your encouragement, be used by God to give and meet that need. And, and notice this part. He says, it's a great reminder. God will return the favor. He doesn't just say, oh yeah, sacrifice, and then you won't have. But he says, do this, and then I'm going to take care of you. Watch how I work in your life and in the lives of other people when you have a heart of generosity. And there's a lot of reason why that, that's a really good thing. But I'm just going to give you two reasons for our purposes today that I think are powerful and true, but we forget it so quickly. Is Why would we sacrifice? Why would we be generous to other people? First, it's because we love God and we love who God loves. If you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, if, you're going, if you are going to say, oh, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, then there's no worm in your way around this. If you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to say, that's me, I'm in, 
I want to be with him one day. You, you have to love him, and you also, hand in hand, you love who he loves. Which is, you know, I think about back in the, the New Testament, the disciples asked Jesus one time, said, well, who, who are we supposed to love? Who do we need to care about? Who is my neighbor? It's all of us. It's, it's look around you. Who, who is God put in your sphere of influence? Who, who are those that are around you? You say, yeah, but I don't want to like that type of person. I didn't ask you if you wanted to. We've got to love who Jesus loves. That's one reason that we're, we're generous. It's one reason we sacrifice. But the other is because we trust God. And we believe that he will do what he says he will do. Do we trust him? You know, it's, it's funny. It's funny. I ask people, you know, how's your faith? Like, how is your faith? How is your, how's your trust in the Lord these days? Most people say, oh, I think it's pretty good. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably an 8.5 or something like that. I mean, I'm, I think I'm okay. And then something happens in life, and it just shakes them to the core. They say there's, uh, there's no better Christians than those that are in foxholes and hospital beds. How's your faith? How's your, how's your trust? Do you really believe that God will do what he says he will do? Well, right before Jesus was crucified, we see this special moment that he had with the disciples. And the Bible says this in John 13. They're, they're up in the upper room, and it says that before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. And he'd loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I think this is one of those funny questions like, what do you, what, what do you see him doing right now? <laughs> no, no, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Well, no, Peter protested, you, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, well, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And a couple of verses later, it says that after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? I don't think any of them got it. This is just this weird, awkward thing. It's like in the New Testament, why would Jesus do this? This washing the feet thing, it's weird and, you know... I, smelly dirty feet and okay why, why are we doing this and he, he says you call me teacher and lord and you're right because that's what i am and since i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you ought to wash each other's feet i've given you an example to follow do as i have done to you and i tell you the truth Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now you know these things. God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus is immediately right here. He's separating the difference between knowing something and doing something. And that, my friends, is the problem 
that most all of us in this room have today. It's not a matter of what we know. It's not a matter of what we've heard or been told or been taught. A lot of us, we've, we've got so much church in us. I mean, we could, we could get up and we, any one of us could teach a class or lead a, lead a study or lead a group on, on, you know, some teachings or some biblical principles or whatever. We know it. Are we living it? And this is what Jesus is saying. There is a, there is a major chasm. There's a major, major difference between knowledge and application. He said, it's great that you know these things. That's wonderful. Good, good deal. I'm glad you were paying attention. You're aware of the example. You're aware of this heart to serve. You're aware of what I'm calling you to. But it's going to totally change. And it's going to lead you now down this whole other path. Where it moves from what you know to what you do. And you start doing these things. And it's going to lead you down a path of blessing. You want to live a blessed life? You want to see what I can do? You want to see me in action? And, and I love this, this scripture in John 13. This is one of those verses that I'm like, man, if I, could just, if I could just really make it my goal in life to continue to grow in that and to be that person, and if it could be that way in my life and in our church and in our small groups and, and in the people that we're trying to reach, we're trying to we're trying to develop and disciple people. And I know, that, I know that at every level, we're trying to raise up people to have a heart to serve and to be generous. And John chapter 13 is just a constant reminder to me about what it's all about. I think about the context when Jesus did this, uh, what was happening with the disciples at the time. They're, they're having a tough time getting along. You know, any group of people, you get them together for so long, eventually there's going to be little rifts and a little, little bit of ego and a little bit of jealousy going on and the competition. And so these guys are kind of sizing each other up. Well, who's going to be, you know, who's going to be at Jesus' right hand? You know, when we get to heaven, who's going to have like the place of honor? Who was the better disciple? Was it me or was it you? I think it was me. Let me, let me be there, Jesus. And, and, you know, Jesus spent a little bit more time with me, I think. And it's in the middle of this kind of backbiting where they're just not really getting along very well. And really not seeing eye to eye. That's where John 13 happens. Jesus walks into all of this. And he knows what's happening. And all of the disciples that evening had walked right in. As they walked into this room... Because as part of their culture, the day you wore sandals, your feet got disgusting. They're dusty and dirty and smelly. So the first thing that you did when you walked into a guest's home was that there would be a, the, the person that was throwing the party or invited you over. They would make sure there was a servant there at the door to wash your feet. That was their job. If you came in, you'd take off your sandals. They'd wash your feet, get them all smelling really nice and clean, dry them off. And then you'd walk in the house and you didn't have to worry about it from that point on. And that night when they all walked into this room, every single one of them would have walked past a basin of water and a towel, but there was no servant there. And every single one of these guys would have walked right by it, and, and, and I, I imagine as they filed into that, they thought, well, I think somebody's supposed to be here. I think somebody's supposed to do this. I don't know. It's not, I'm not going to do this. Maybe, maybe that guy, maybe, maybe Peter, he's, he's always getting excited about stuff. Maybe he should hop in there and start washing everybody's feet. Or Thomas, you know, Thomas, let's, yeah, let's make this Thomas's job because he's always dotting the, the I's and crossing the T's. Let's make sure that, let's let him do it. Or find somebody else because I'm not going to do it. And one by one, they all walked by and sat at the table with their dirty feet. And the, in the context of the intensity and the competition and the offense 
that was going on in that room, it's amazing that Jesus said, well, guys, I'm going to do this. I'll serve you. I'm going to wash your feet. Why would he do that? In a world that is constantly, all, all we're about is elevating self. We are motivated primarily by what benefits me the most. How can I get ahead? How can I get a leg up? Everything that drives us is, I got to get out there, I got to get mine. Me, me, what's good for me? Why would we sacrifice? Because we love God and we love those who God loves. Because we trust Him. And He said, I want you to do this. I trust that He's going to use it and that He'll take care of me. He'll do what He says He will do. And Jesus said, when you do these things, God will bless you. He said, I did this to set an example. I want you to, I want you to see what I'm doing. Now, the little bit of time we got left, I want to I look at one more passage. It's one of those upside-down things in the Bible that it just reminds us that God's ways are not like our ways. And we, we really struggle with that because we, when we read something in Scripture, we try to apply it, and, okay, I'm taking it in, and I'm, I'm applying it to my context, and well, I just don't think this is going to fit. I don't think this is going to work. God's ways aren't our ways. You know, he's not asking us to adjust his word to fit our context. He said, I want you to adjust your life to what I've said. Don't, 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 don't get it in reverse. Don't say, well, I'm going to pick and choose which parts I want to do, depending on what's good for me. Jesus says, you're missing the whole point here. You've got to follow. And so he tells this story in Mark chapter 12. And this is, man, this is, this is a cool one. In Mark chapter 12, it says that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. So people were coming in and saying, hey, we, we, we care about what God cares about. We want to be faithful. He's called us to return a portion of our income back. We're going to do that. We're doing that. And so they're doing it. And it says that many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And I just want you to get the image of this. You think about a, a little container or whatever, these guys, some of them, they're dropping major dough. You know, so I, I think about, for me, and I, I read this passage, I always think about what it must have sounded like. So these guys, these rich guys with their big coins and gold and silver and everything else, whatever they had, and just the noise that it would have made as they walked by and said, hey, Ted, watch this. Do you hear how much I put in there? Let it shake a little bit. My, my buddy Mark Jones, uh, he says, these guys, they were writing checks and they weren't even folding them. Man, they just wrote the check and left it laying right on top so everybody could see the amount. And so they're, you know, they're making all this noise and, yeah, I'm going to throw in my money and boom, you hear it. And it says, and then this little widow came up with two small coins. I've got, I've got some replicas of what, it was, of what it looked like. It's called a widow's mite. And it said she just came in and dropped them. And I think everybody would have just watched. I mean, obviously, this is a pretty big moment. And the Bible records it. This poor widow came up and she dropped in two small coins. And Jesus says something stunning in the next verse. He said that he called his disciples to him. He said, hey, guys, come here. I want to tell you something. You all just saw what happened, right? saw this lady 
all these guys, these pompous people putting in big, big bucks, and he saw what she did. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who were making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What are we to take away from that? I mean, it's an important enough story that it's recorded for us. We read the words of Jesus. We read about what happened. You know, some of you, you have been blessed with a lot of resources. Thank God for that. That's great. That's a lot of responsibility, but that's great. Others of us don't have as much, but we've all been blessed with something. And I really want to encourage those of us who feel like we're afraid and we don't have much to offer. I, don't, I just don't know that God wants to use me that much. Don't ever underestimate the potential of a small sacrifice. Jesus said, this poor woman, she just gave more than all the others. I would love to know. I can't wait when I'm in heaven one day. I just want to ask the Lord, what did you do with that gift of hers? What, what difference was made? Because I know it had to have been huge. And, and, and Jesus said she just gave more. Don't think for a moment that God can't or won't use you or your gift, your sacrifice, the seed that you sow in faith. God will bring something wonderful from it. And I love this time of the year because I'm really reminded of how generous this church is and how God is using you guys. And a couple of weeks ago, we... We, uh, we just kind of gave you a specific challenge. We said, you know, it's getting cold outside. We've got a lot of homeless people in our community. And can we just provide some basic necessities for them? Some blankets and some coats and gloves and just things like that. And we said, we'll see. Let's, let's see if our church can, can be of help. And, and so far, we've, we've got enough to supply items for 125 men and women in our community. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's, it may seem small, but it's, it's something. You say, well, does that really make that big of a difference? Well, Jesus said it does. Uh, one of my absolute favorite things that we do this year, we've done this for the past several years, is we've had the opportunity to partner with our local schools, just right here in our backyard. This year we're partnering with Fairdale Elementary and Lassiter Middle School. And you know they have family resource services that work in, in the schools. And part of their job and responsibility is they identify kids that are in need. You know, if they're below the poverty line, and so they're looking to how can we help families that are in need. And uh, so we built some relationships with some of those people. And we said, how could we help? You know, it's Christmas time, and there's kids, and there's needs. What could we do? And so we've got about 200. We've identified about 200 children that are our neighbors, they're our friends. They're people that we know that live right here. That they said, hey, we got about 200 kids right now in this vicinity that, that really probably are not going to have anything this Christmas. And so we said, well, let us, let us take that on. And so today, if you want to be a blessing to some people, uh, we're going to, in the lobby, you'll see a table and there's some bags. Uh, red and green bags. We've, we've uh, put a supply list on there. Just buying some, you know, I think every, every bag should cost around 30 or $35 to buy a toy and just some, just some basic stuff that we can, and we'll deliver those to the schools and they'll disperse those to the kids. 
And we, love, we want all those gone today. I, you know, last year, I know, I think we did about 300 bags last year. We estimated that's about seven or $8,000 worth of supplies that just our church was able to supply. You, don't, you think, does that make a difference? Man, that makes a huge difference, major impact. Just telling people, hey, Jesus loves you. We care. We're here for you. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, be sure to, to get one of those. We'll have volunteers out there. And one thing that this is brand new for us. So this is, this is pretty cool, a new opportunity. Uh, many of you know that Fairdale Christian Church, we are, the, uh, we are the supporting church for a orphanage in Kenya. It's called the Neowa Children's Home. And for probably about f- six years, our church, we're the sole supporting church. We fund that orphanage. There's 25, 30 kids that live there that are alive, and they go to school, and they got clothes and food, all because you guys give. And uh, it's one of those things, we may never get to meet some of those people, but what a, what a difference, what an eternal difference it's making for not just those kids, but the families that they'll have later on. And so this year, we were talking with our, our missions partners there, and, and they said, uh, which is Child Help International, and uh, they said, we're looking for sponsors. We've got about 23 kids that need sponsors for school supplies and clothes and just everyday items that they need, and we're looking for people that want to say, I want to sponsor one of these children. And you're familiar probably with Compassion International or World Vision, you know, you've seen commercials. The cool thing about this is, we're, this isn't a corporation where it's like, I wonder how this money's being used. Every dollar that you give is going to go direct to those kids. Every single one of them is going to go through our church to the, that orphanage. And uh, so for $25 a month, it may not seem like a lot, but sure it's going to mean a lot to those kids. And it's going to make a difference. That's what I'm talking about today. We think about the widow's mite, the little, the little coin that she gave. It just didn't seem like much. It would be easy for us to look at somebody like her and say, well, what kind of a difference could she make? What, what kind of a difference could she make, really? She didn't have much to offer. And yet she came forward boldly, courageously with faith. And she gave what she had because she loved God. She loved who God loves. And she trusted God. That he would do what he says he will do. And Jesus said of her, here's a hero. She just did more than anyone else right now. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about her. I can't wait to meet her one day. All these things that we do all year long, why would we do this stuff? The, the people of God, the church, ought to lead the way in generosity and sacrifice. We are the most blessed people, not, not just because, oh, we live in a great country and we have a lot of resources, and not, not, not because of that. We're the most blessed people because we're saved, because we're saved people, because we, we have this life and we've got heaven too. I mean, we are the most blessed people. We ought to lead the way with sacrifice and generosity, and when the people of God are the people of God, everybody wins, and God is glorified and gets all the honor, a little bit of sacrifice what are you bringing before the Lord today what is it that you got in your hand I think about Moses when when God's calling him he says I'm going to make a difference through you I'm going to do incredible things and Moses like no I can't I can't I can't God says well what is that in your hand Moses what is it the shepherd staff watch what I do with that now all through history and all through scripture God has always loved using the small and the weak to do amazing and wonderful things. What do you have in your hand? What is it that you've brought that God has said, just trust me 
Just trust me. Love who I love and believe that I will do what I say I will do. It's really that simple. One day, maybe not in this life, but one day we'll see how much of a difference our sacrifice has made. So I've got a little gift for you today as you leave. Don't forget, I mean, I know we've got a lot of chaos out in the lobby, but I kind of love that. Don't forget your Polar Express tickets cause, and invite somebody for that. Because, man, I'm telling you, that, that is not, that's not like one of those little weird things. That's like a, it is a top-notch event that we do around here. It's, it's going to be incredible. So come and bring somebody. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get your tickets. Grab your donut. Hey, get a, get a bag or two or ten for the kids in our neighborhood. We want to we just bless some people this year. And if you want to uh, sponsor a kid, we'd love for you to do that. But here's my gift. As you leave, the worship team's going to be out in the lobby, and they're going to give you one of these widow's mites. It's a replica, but uh, you're, you're each going to get one. And I hope it's, maybe you'll stick it in your Bible or put it in your purse or your wallet or wherever. That It can just be one of those reminders, and maybe a year from now or five or ten, maybe you'll come across that and be like, wait a minute, there was some guy one time, some weird bearded guy that sat up there, and he said something about this. What did he say? And maybe you'll think of today. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you for this season that we remember the gifts that you've given us. You have been faithful. God, you, you love us. Your mercies are new every morning. And, and Lord, even, even in the midst of, of difficulty, we know that we have a God who is never changing and he hasn't abandoned us. And you are there standing in the gap for us. Help us, Lord, to, to never, ever forget or take for granted the sacrifice that, that Jesus made on our behalf that we could be forgiven, covered, and secure, and, and know that one day we're going to be with you forever. We long for that day, but until then, Lord, help us to be the hands and feet of Christ. May there be men and women, children in our community and, and around the world that will know Jesus as their Savior because of the sacrifices that we make today. Lord, we trust you. We know that you will use what we have to do bigger things than we could ever do on our own. We trust you with that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next Sunday.